welcome to Legal Light, where we discuss everything e-discovery. Legal Light is brought to you by Outlaw e-discovery, the UK's leading independent e-discovery service provider, and your host Matt Altes, CEO and founder of Outlaw e-discovery. So welcome Sam, how are you doing? I'm good, yeah, very well, thank you. You look like you've been in the wars though. I have a little bit, yes. What um, happened there? Uh, so this was uh, an old rugby injury that I had probably about 10 or so years ago and thought I'd bite the bullet, um, get it operated on, uh, and so I'm now two weeks after my operation. So it looks probably worse than it is at the moment, but I can reassure you the first week was uh, pretty bad. What does that have to do? Uh, so this was a bone block operation so I dislocated my shoulder uh, and they needed to because it had worn down over the last kind of 10 or so years they needed to basically take some bone out of another bit of my shoulder and fuse it to this bit which is on kind of the ball and socket joint uh, sew it all up and give it a bit of a clean uh, <laughs> and now here I am will it be as good as new when it's when it's all healed I think it should be almost as good as new it'll probably I'll probably lose a little bit of uh, rotation but for all intents and purposes, especially with my lifestyle now and uh, lack of competitive sports, I'm sure I'll be fine. I was going to say no more rugby, right? No more rugby, no. no. <laughs> I don't think the rest of my body could cope with um, playing rugby now, let alone my shoulder. So no, I think those days are long gone. Before we get into this interview, I just wanted to um, say, I mean, it's great offices, right? Amazing, yeah, I love it. The, these are the London headquarters for um, an app called um, Native FM which was started by my nephew, Dean Altesheye, and his uh, business partner, Nick Muster. So they've kindly lent us these to allow for this social distancing. So yeah. um, big shout out to them. But they, um, they organize um, events and promotions for university students all over the country. They're the UK's largest okay. now. Yeah. Um, so, and I guess a lot of those students will be studying law at this time. So as soon as they finish those, you're the man, right? Absolutely, yeah. Get in touch with us. We'd be delighted to hear from you. Good. So tell us about the Stephen James partnership. Sure. So this was born out of, I suppose, my inability to get a training contract probably about 10 or so years ago. Because you're legally trained, aren't you? Yeah. So I did a non-law degree and then I did the GDL and then the LPC. Uh, did some vacation schemes, did some work experience, um, but basically just struggled to actually get a training contract. Uh, and so the idea of the Stephen James partnership was at the time we were looking to specialise in paralegal recruitment. Paralegals, we thought and I thought, were people that had been overlooked in the legal profession uh, for a number of years. And lots of the other larger agencies had focused more of their efforts towards associate recruitment and also partner recruitment because the salaries would be naturally much larger and the fees that the firms could get would again um, be larger than that they could get for, say, recruiting a paralegal or two. So for me, it was something, it was personal to me, it was my background. I saw lots of people that were in the same sort of position as myself. Uh, and I thought, well, actually, I've got nothing to lose. I'm already significantly in debt. And maybe it could be a good vehicle for me to get in front of people from law firms in HR, uh, partner level, to kind of sell myself, sell what I'm doing. And actually, if I end up getting a TC off the back of it, then at the time I was thinking, well, I'm reasonably well hedged. So. That was kind of the starting point and then pretty quickly, uh, due to kind of success of picking up a number of clients pretty quick, uh, which was fantastic, um, I ended up doing more work and kind of parked my TC aspirations and thought, well, I'm probably a much better legal recruiter than I would be a lawyer. 
and so that was kind of how we started in circa 2010 just after I'd finished my law degree or conversion the GDL and LPC uh, even at the graduation I was handing out business cards because I was thinking well these are going to be future associates <laughs> Your future customers, exactly yeah? yeah exactly I thought I'd start the ball rolling at quite an early stage uh, and then yeah we, we moved pretty quickly it was just me for for a little bit um, I didn't have any background in recruitment uh, and I had only got to kind of the GDL and LPC phase of my legal career um, but as I said, I didn't have anything to lose. Uh, I'd always enjoyed kind of sales and had a number of different experiences whilst I was uh, studying. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll back myself, I'll give it a go. And Paralegals for Paralegals was our tagline. Uh, it was something that I was very passionate about, something I was very proud of. And I think the market reacted to that of having someone or being able to speak to someone who has studied law, who's worked in law firms, I think that was quite different to a lot of the other agencies that uh, our clients were speaking to, where people may have come out of more generalist recruitment backgrounds and perhaps hadn't, didn't have a law degree or didn't have as much of an understanding uh, about private practice and the intricacies of the legal profession. So uh, again, it was something that lots of my friends called me mad. Um, but it was something that I... It's certainly something It's very, very brave to go out and start your own business, particularly at such a young age. And particularly when you were, you spent all that money learning to be something else. Yeah, yeah, to yeah totally. Well, well, thank you. I, I think probably brave is a very kind word. Uh, lots of people... Hey, listen, I started my own business. I know how brave it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think for me, it was thinking I didn't have anything concrete on the table and I wasn't going anywhere particularly fast. Uh, as a potential trainee so I thought well I've got all of this debt um, I can move back home I can live and kind of reduce my costs to a very large extent I thought I've got nothing else to lose really <laughs> can't go much further than being in debt and I thought well well actually it was quite a good incentive because I took out a uh, I don't think they do them anymore but a loan in order to cover the costs of the GDL the LPC and then living costs associated to that uh, and after about, I think, nine months of completing the LPC was when the first payment was due. So it was an unbelievable incentive for me to think, well, I need to get my stuff in order pretty quickly because I've got nine months before X hundred a month comes out, regardless of my situation. So uh, I feel like I usually work better when there's a lot of pressure. And that was kind of the ultimate pressure for me at the time. Uh, and so I was fortunate that I was able to sign up one of my first law firm clients after about six months uh, and then the rest as they say was was kind of history so you've been going for about 10 10 years so how has legal mm. recruitment changed during that time we've seen lots of different trends i would say within the sector in which we operate uh, i think a lot of it is driven by law firms also what happens outside of law firms and also where different types of service provision intersects with legal services, the provision of legal services, the delivery of legal services. So in kind of 2010, 2011, there was or LPOs, so to speak, legal practice um, process outsourcers were massively on the rise. And we did a lot of work and we saw lots of work going from maybe where traditionally it would have gone to law firms, but this was potentially being outsourced, not just to North Shore locations like Belfast or Manchester or Birmingham, but it was going much further afield 
to the likes of South Africa, to India, um, and to other kind of countries where there was perhaps a lot of similarity between jurisdictions uh, between England. Uh, and so that was definitely something that we saw. And so as a result of that, in kind of between 2010 and 2013, we did a huge amount of work with lots of LPOs, uh, recruiting kind of paralegals and some lawyers and also some regulatory change specialists into programs that were designed, well, basically off the bat of uh, the back of them winning work with law firms and then that work going to different locations. So again, that was something that was incredibly popular and lots of law firms were talking about uh, at the time. Uh, and then more recently, as I'm sure we'll go on to in due course, uh, there's been a huge emphasis on technology over the last couple of years in particular. Um, and I guess in terms of what we have seen uh, more recently in terms of macro kind of trends, it is probably a steer towards uh, more flexible resourcing for law firms and for uh, different types of organisations uh, and the way in which that flexible resourcing can fit into their business models, not only in London and the UK, but also further afield as well. And, and then I guess as a result of that, how technology plays into that particular dynamic and then when you work back a stage, uh, what it looks like from kind of a candidate's perspective, whether they're paralegals, whether they're contract lawyers, whether they're reviewers, uh, and then kind of the skills that perhaps they have, the skills that law firms or particular clients that we work with are looking for as well. So it all kind of feeds into this bigger picture. Now, we met through your supply to us of document review stuff. Yes. And obviously we're in the midst of a, a pandemic at the moment, and mm. I know from our painful experience that document review has pretty much fallen off a cliff. Tell me, how have you managed through the, uh, you know, this, this whole lockdown period and, 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 mm. and now getting back to work? Um, how have you seen um, things like remote review mm. and remote homeworking affect your business? Uh, it's definitely something that's been uh, more popular over the last kind of six, seven, eight months or so. And I think part of that, as we've talked about, is kind of the COVID factor and with us not necessarily being able to place uh, people on site anymore or as freely uh, due to the COVID restrictions, I think naturally it's gone down the route of looking to virtual channels, uh, which I think is, is no bad thing um, because with platforms such as Relativity One, for example, uh, and cloud-based provisions of services, it, I think from a scale perspective can allow um, huge benefit to, to us, to reviewers and also to clients as well because in days gone by if a particular review project was happening and the client was looking for people to be based in London then that may restrict people that lived outside of London whereas we have a situation now that because of the lack of geographic restrictions, if we're talking about virtual review, it can mean that the best potential person, regardless of where they're located, uh, can be eligible for the role. And so I think from our side of things, we've certainly seen a benefit in from that perspective in that there's, it's created necessarily uh, a wider pool or wider potential pool of applicants and candidates with regards to geographical reach. Um, which is of course a huge benefit to the candidates, to also the clients and ultimately to us as well in terms of uh, providing a seamless service delivery to the clients and firms that we work with. Now I know that you've just launched a technology platform that yes. allows your customers to search and recruit mm. talent within 60 seconds or less. Yep. 
Tell Absolutely. us all about that. Yes, no, I'm delighted to talk about SJP On Demand. Uh, this is something that I'm incredibly proud to be a part of and my colleague David Thomas uh, developed from scratch. Uh, and a lot of what we're trying to do with SJPOD is to kind of go back a stage and look at the feedback that we've had from clients uh, within the marketplace uh, and kind of draw on our background of recruitment and having expert legal recruiters that all have studied law and worked within the legal space but ultimately now we're extending our recruitment arm, especially on a temporary uh, basis, because this is about flexible working. This is about clients saying at 5 p.m. on the train home, hey, SJP, uh, we need five people in by Monday morning. And instead of having to go through a process of perhaps ring around and call different recruiters or rely on their network, they can go through our dedicated uh, platform uh, and type in the type of talent that they want with regards to whether they're qualified, whether they're non-qualified. They can look at things like languages, they can look at things like experience. And again, this isn't just uh, an app that's run by people with an interest in technology. This is a technologically developed app that's run by specialist legal recruiters. Mm -hmm. So we believe that it's totally unique in the market in that the service delivery is by kind of Michael Page trained legal recruiters. But then the back of house side of things is we've developed our own technology to be able to facilitate this process. So we're hopefully combining uh, the best bits of legal recruitment with what we believe is a very streamlined way of delivering legal services through this platform. Uh, and so I'm incredibly proud to be able to talk about it. Uh, we were very fortunate uh, in, I think, one of the reasons that we were able to win um, the Paralegal Recruitment Agency of the Year Award for this year was, I think, in no small part due to David Thomas's contribution to this um, SGPOD. It's his baby, uh, and he's done an amazing job over the last uh, kind of year or so in putting it together from completely scratch. Uh, and I think also it's combined with the fact that we have the UK's largest database of paralegals and contract lawyers um, registered with us, which is now in excess of 30,000. Wow. So from our perspective, I think the feedback from clients is that there was a, an opportunity for a legal specialist recruitment-led app uh, and technology platform, which we hopefully, with SJPOD, uh, have been able to um, kind of deliver. And is that out now or is that to be launched? Or yeah, that's it out is, now? is out now, yep. It's, it's been live for probably the last month or so uh, and we've had a huge amount of requests already. Uh, I think because of our track record in the space, because of our uh, pool of candidates and because of the background of all of the recruiters that we have, uh, SJPOD allows firms and also in-house legal departments access to that pool of 30,000 people. It allows access to the very best people in the market uh, as quickly as they can take them on. Uh, and also because we're not just a technology kind of platform, uh, we have the recruiters behind the scenes. So we can tailor everything from the screening, the vetting, the onboarding process. And so for us, it's much more of kind of a wraparound service than just saying, hey, we've got kind of 3,000 paralegals on our books. Do you want to have a look and we'll send you across what we have? For us, this is very much about a tailored service uh, delivered to our kind of law firm and legal services, or sorry, legal um, corporate in-house clients, but based on the success of SJP so far, but also with a very much a technological um, spin. In terms of recruitment and technology, mm -hmm. 
Are you finding that your law firm clients are making specialist requests for candidates that have um, technology experience such as Relativity One? Mm. Uh, we do get some requests like that, I would say. Uh, again, it typically depends on the level of request. So at the more junior level, uh, I would say no. But if we're talking about maybe mid-level or even more senior reviewers, um, perhaps the people that are going to go in as review project managers or head up the particular teams in which the reviewers can work, then yes, sometimes we do get particular requests for people to have a certain type of platform experience or certain type of background or certain type of interest. But again, I think because of the amount of uh, reviewers that are on the market and the speed typically in which a client is looking for people for particular projects, most of the big requests that we get for <coughs> 20, 30, 40 people, it could easily be on, and it has been, on a Thursday or Friday afternoon for a Monday start. So mm -hmm. whilst things like particular platform experience would, of course, be advantageous, it's not something that we've seen th as yet where it's been kind of a, a deal breaker for potential clients. It's more of a nice to have, I would say. So they turn up on Monday morning and learn on the job? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, of course, for most of the projects that we work on, um, we're led by the clients. And some clients are looking for people that maybe have a certain level of experience or they have worked on certain types of platforms. But again, conversely, some clients are more looking at kind of the project in a whole and the way in which that project can be resourced is sometimes they ask, they lean on us for that. And so we might put forward uh, different tiers of candidates. So we might have people that are uh, law students, we might put forward people that are future trainee solicitors, we might put forward paralegals or more career focused document review staff uh, in combination with maybe qualified lawyers, whether that's in England and Wales or whether that's in other jurisdictions as well. Uh, again, we, we work with the clients and very closely with clients uh, across law firms and legal departments and ultimately we believe the best relationships that we have is where we can sometimes lead and say, well look, have you considered taking this type of person? Because for us it's not just about kind of one size fits all. We're, we're trying to embody the values that we want our clients to embody, which is kind of uh, widening access in the legal profession and making sure that lots of people can have an opportunity. Now, October in the, in the UK is Black History Month, and those of you that, of you that know me um, know that I have a mixed race family. And in my house, we've been celebrating Black History Month for about 20 years now. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen um, Black History Month attract such attention as it, is, as it has this year. And probably off the back of the Black Lives Matter marches and the terrible yeah. events that happened uh, in the States. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a fantastic opportunity. And I think there, there has been a huge amount of conversations that have been able to happen because of the tragic uh, death of George Floyd in particular. Uh, and for me, I think the the conversations that companies are having, that individuals are having, the reflections that people are having on their own behaviours. There seems to be an awful lot more of this conversation yeah, I, happening, I, particularly I think, on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's fantastic that there's the ability to be able to have these types of conversations because a lot of the conversations, these aren't new conversations. Racism and black people being oppressed in varying countries and in varying forms is nothing new. Mm -hmm. But I think what is very positive is the fact and the scope of the conversations that uh, I'm able to have, that you're able to have, and lots of people are able to have um, 
across yeah different countries across different industries and I think yeah it's very much um, I think on topic uh, and I think the time for talking has now passed and I think for me it's about action and it's about putting the momentum into practice to try and continue to widen access to provide opportunities and actually to try and start to level the playing field a bit so yes I, I'm up, up into a point I was a huge supporter of Black Lives Matter and then for me when it got to a stage of becoming politicised yeah that's when it's always I, a shame. it is a shame that's when I kind of pulled back a bit because I don't think it needed to be politicised no. uh, it was about a message and a very pure message but actually when you mix things like that I think it becomes a potentially dangerous combination for some people to take a particular angle and take it off into an extreme direction uh, but for me the sentiment of promoting the black agenda is something that I'm incredibly passionate about uh, and something that I'm trying to do uh, a lot of initiatives. Well, I was going to ask about. you about yeah. this. You, you you started a couple of initiatives. Um, the first one I saw was was during lockdown, mm. um, where you started a um, dropping calls for um, young black legal professionals. Yes. Tell us about that and how did that go? Absolutely. The initiative that I started, uh, it was towards the beginning of lockdown, but it was built across lots of conversations that I'd had for the last couple of years and these are conversations from with people from the black community talking about prospective access to law and how they could maybe get a training contract a paralegal job tips with, for their CV uh, career advice coaching type sessions and mentoring and so something that as part of my commitment to giving back in a capacity that I thought would be the most advantageous uh, was to run those drop-in sessions. So yeah, you're absolutely right. People can, they're still going um, Wednesdays from they're 5 p.m. Absolutely. Yeah. That's part of my commitment is it's been going for uh, a number of years now, kind of behind the scenes. And so my commitment, as soon as the uh, tragic death of George Floyd happened, was to make that more public and say, look, I'm gonna dedicate more time to this incredibly important uh, area. So anyone from the black community can call me uh, without an agenda on my personal mobile, uh, from five o'clock onwards every single Wednesday and talk to me about everything and anything to do with law. So these might be people that are paralegals, they might be uh, aspiring future solicitors, might be aspiring uh, barristers, might be people that are career changers, people that are at school, uh, and they can talk to me about anything with regards to law, legal services, uh, and my commitment is that I will get back to everyone, and I have done so far. So if, if I miss someone, then I'll call them back, uh, and I will always fit in time for the people that give me the time to, to say, hey, look, uh, I'd be looking for some advice here. So that's something that I wanted to do as kind of a starting point, was to formalize what I'd been doing behind the scenes for a while. Uh, and then again, a lot of the feedback that I had from these types of sessions was that a lot of the people I was speaking to uh, were struggling to get uh, applications off to training contracts, we're struggling to get vacation schemes, we're struggling generally to get kind of a, a foothold within the legal profession. Uh, and so what I was looking to do was to create uh, an opportunity for these type of people to be able to have more access to the legal profession. 
Uh, and so that's where our Black Interns Matter program was born uh, as an extension of the weekly drop-in sessions. It's really designed as the opportunity to give black people, um, because black people, as per the SRA's uh, statistics from 2020, make up the lowest ethnicity percentage of all qualified solicitors in England, Wales and Scotland. Black people on their own make up 3% of qualified solicitors. Just 3%? Just 3%. Uh, and black or people that are black or have a black and mixed race heritage make up a further 2%. So we're talking about 5% of the total solicitor qualified pool. Uh, and the statistics are slightly um, misleading because uh, the qualification percentages of people that are from a BAME background is actually 21%. But then when you dig down a little bit further, you can see that only 3% come from a black background and only 2% from a black and mixed race background. So for me, this was an incredibly personal mission because of my heritage uh, and something that was also backed up by the data and kind of the lowest ranking by numbers uh, ethnicity group recorded on this year's um, SRA data. So that's where the Black Interns Matter kind of origins came from. And it's something that I'm incredibly proud to be a part of, uh, something that I'm fantastically focused on helping as many people as possible uh, to gain access to the legal profession and where we're completely unique in what we offer as opposed to what perhaps other organisations or other programmes offer is that as part of the Black Interns Matter programme uh, there is no grading with regards to academics. So you don't have to have ABB at A level. You don't have to have a 2-1 from a certain type of university. Yeah. Uh, we actually go further than that in, prom in actively promoting and prioritising those people that come from the lowest household income backgrounds. We prioritise people that went to state school and we prioritise people that don't have a network within law. That's in addition to ensuring we pay at least the London living wage to all of the interns that go through the programme uh, and everyone that goes through the programme with us will also be provided with business attire, with a daily travel allowance, a daily lunch allowance, and also a technology allowance as applicable, because lots of people will be doing these internships virtually. So this is kind of a wraparound package. Uh, and in addition to that, we also have two separate funds that we've set up uh, for financial distress. So if people are facing uh, making make, finding it hard to make ends meet, there's provision for that, and also a legal education fund. So we can help hopefully contribute towards people's future career goals and aspirations as well, all as part of this programme. So we hope to remove as many barriers as possible to black people getting into law, whether that's in terms of access and seeing what a career in law could look like for them, or whether it's something a bit more structured and more geared around going into a vacation scheme or going into a training contract cohort. So we believe that by attacking kind of the, the top section where there is a requirement for academics, but also looking at perhaps the people that don't quite have those academics and we're looking to provide them with access, that we hopefully cast the net pretty wide in terms of raising awareness for uh, the black community within law. And ultimately, the aspiration is that we have more representation at the very highest levels within the legal profession across associates, senior associates, and one day we hope partners. Mm -hmm. It sounds fantastic. I mean, how have the law you. firms um, taken this up? Amazingly well. Uh, so the first week of this launching, I had about 15 meetings, uh, and wow. I've averaged pretty close to that for the last five or six weeks. I must say, from all of the stuff that I've seen on LinkedIn, um, and just the uptake in, in the whole spirit of Black mm. History Month, mm. um, it's a great time 
um, to be alive. It's a great time to see this, what, what, what feels like a sea change yeah. um, in the way that people are looking and, 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 and that this is on their consciousness right here, right now. Um, and I'm incredibly proud to be part of this community yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think it's amazing the conversations that people are able to have much more freely at the moment. Uh, for me in particular, with regards to this program, uh, I have and had uh, access to a huge amount of managing partners and senior executives within law firms that are very happy to have a conversation with me about this program or this type of program. Uh, and again, because we are relatively uh, at the early stages of the program, hopefully on kind of a, a follow-up session, if you invite me back, we can talk about the success I'd stories and, yeah. and which firms have signed up and which organizations have signed up because we're not just looking at law firms, private practices where we've undertaken the majority of our work um, in kind of our day job as a recruiter, but also we're looking at kind of legal services and uh, as we both know the provision of legal services uh, is constantly evolving and there's a huge amount of different types of buyers of legal services and so naturally as that's evolving like our offering will evolve and so we want to be able to give we hope uh, over a thousand black interns the opportunity to have internships within law firms, within maybe e-discovery firms, within lots of different organisations that are connected to law without necessarily being providers of law themselves. Because us, for us it's about access, widening opportunities and removing as many barriers as we can for those people uh, from the black community. I think it's amazing, it's so good to be able to give some good news about this. We can all talk about racism, we can all yeah. talk about the, the, the nasty effects of, of that on society, but mm. this is, is great news and um, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Well, there's still a long way to go and as you can see with my shoulder, I've been a bit restricted <laughs> physically, but that hasn't stopped anything that I've been trying to do. We've got a great team around you as well. Fantastic you? team yeah. supporting me, uh, which is amazing. And as I said, I feel in a very fortunate position to be able to do this because I do have a voice and I do have kind of a platform on which something like this can be launched. So for me, it's a fantastic, uh, I feel really privileged to be able to be a part of it and look forward to trying to help as many people as possible. Um, before I let you go, Sam, we have this spot on the show where we, it's called Did You Know? Yeah. And I ask you something about yourself yeah. that otherwise people here wouldn't, wouldn't know, people okay. out there wouldn't know. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask, Sam Clegg, did you know that in 1999, I held the national record for discus. The national record? National record for discus. What was that record? 39 metres and 24 centimetres. Do we know what national record is today? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to Google 30, it 39 and 24, let's say. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Not at all. Thank you for having me, man. Legal Light was brought to you by Altlaw eDiscovery, the UK's leading independent eDiscovery service provider. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to like, comment and share, and please leave us a review. For more information on our products and services, visit www.altlaw.co.uk. That's www.altlaw.co.uk.